Welcome back to Ready, Set, Review, your favorite podcast for movies, comics, and culture. I am your host, Anthony. And I'm Matt. <laughs> As he's choking down on the reality of life. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're a little late on this one. Uh, I had to go on vacation and, you know, it's just whatever. Vacation. Anthony's traveling for work. But we are here today yep. to talk about the Batman. Yeah. And, uh, man, what... An experience this movie was. Man. All three hours of it. All three hours. It is a marathon to get through. It is, it's a long movie, but at the end of the day, it it really didn't feel like other three-hour movies right. have felt. Like, it moves very quickly, and it's very captivating. Really excited to kind of go into every aspect of this movie. Yeah, so let's let's just talk about the, the first impressions from, like, when we... Uh, when we left the theater, right? I walked out of there and I was like, for me, that's, you know, objectively speaking, I think the best Batman movie ever made. Yeah, I, I have to wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, because like I, the, the the cinematography in this movie, I mean, the acting is phenomenal. Pattinson kills it. Everybody, Colin Farrell, we'll, we'll talk about all this, but the thing that stood out to me is the the cinematography and the and the storytelling, the way that they used the backdrop backdrop of Gotham City to partially tell this story, which in and of itself was multi layered. Right, there wasn't just like one Very overarching so. story. There were lots of competing subplots that all end up working in the end. It was just an incredibly well-told story, and the cinematography is just Oscar-worthy, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I loved the use. the Man, so the, the, th- the three things that really stood out to me in terms of the cinematography were the music and use of sounds, not just the music, but, like, their sounds that they used, the use of colors... And then on top of that, just the world building. Like you said, like the way that they built out Gotham City in this, it really made it feel like a different city. It wasn't like like it was in Dark Knight where it was just really Chicago, right? And that's what yeah. it felt like. It felt uh, – that's, that's what it was. It was Chicago. In this, it really felt like a very unique city, but it really – it was very immersive at the same time. And that's the thing that for me is what sets this movie and like the two Burton movies apart from the Nolan trilogy. And I'm going to say this, and I said it before, and Dan Tucker in the fucking Rotten Tomatoes League likes to just <laughs> think that I'm being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian – the Nolan movies are fantastic. The Dark Knight is an overrated fucking movie. And the reason why wow. that this movie is better than The Dark Knight, both objectively and subjectively speaking, is because Matt Reeves understands that Gotham, the city of Gotham, is a character in Batman. It is not yes. just a backdrop. Like yes. like you just said, when you watch the Dark Knight trilogy, it's plainly obvious they are just there's no, you know, I know Christopher Nolan doesn't like his CGI or whatever. He goes with natural, you know, effects which is great in a lot of different ways, but it's very plainly obvious that they're in like Pittsburgh or Atlanta, like wherever the fuck that they were filming. Like modern, you know, whatever city buildings, just like a boring landscape backdrop for the bulk of Gotham City. In 
in both the Batman and the Tim Burton movies in particular, Gotham City is a character. It has its own identity. There are things that happen in the city that make it part of the story, and that's what you need to tell a good Batman story. Gotham needs to be integral to the story, and that's one of the reasons that's that's one of the things that sets this movie apart. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, and you're really touching on something there because there are so many things that have character in the Batman movies other than just the characters, other than just Batman and Alfred and and Bruce Wayne being a, a completely different character. It all has very different feels. It's it's uh, They're all very, very unique, and they represent their own elements. And I think that both the Gotham City element, as well as things like the Batmobile, like as well as like some of his technology that Batman uses, I think all of that is its own character in all of the movies. Very similar to the way that you would build out a character in any other movie. And I think that the way that it was done with all of that in this movie was just phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to to make sure that I, I combat the immediate criticism that's going to come in from Enemy of the Podcast, Dan Tucker, <laughs> I fully wear, or am aware of the fact that in Batman Begins, there is a lot of CGI usage, especially in that final fight scene on the train going into Wayne Tower. That's the only time, however, in the Batman, the Dark Knight trilogy, that Gotham feels like it is important to the storyline. Everything else is just an afterthought. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, but yeah, getting back on some of the, the elements of... Of the the Batman that I think also really stand at a part. Like you were just talking about like some of the technology and stuff. I love the the thing that that was genius for me about this movie too was the and you know and they and they plainly say it um, is that this is early on in his career as Batman. He's only been doing it for one or two years at this point. And they really play that up. They really play that element up because, like, think about how many times we see him, like, take a punch in the face from just, like, a common fucking criminal, right? Like, how many times does he just act like a brawler and and he hasn't, like, fully grown into this, you know, more ninja using the shadows persona that we know and love for Batman because he's truly inexperienced and that comes through a lot in this movie. Very much. So it, it really gives a very humanistic element to the way that the character was done. And I think that is just it, it's so unique because in all of the other Batman movies, he very much is although in in the original Burton Batman, you see a lot of that happen as well, where he has a lot of the right. lackeys he, and like there's that notorious that one scene where he's fighting the guy in the the belfry, I guess you could say, yep. right? And he's getting kind of beat up, right? Until he slams his head into the bell and then throws him down the, the shaft. Um, <laughs> but, like, it, it just, the way that he was, it, it really gave a very realistic, very human element. The other thing that I really liked about this movie was Batman's height. Like, there's this great scene right in the beginning where he is walking behind Commissioner Gordon and Batman is so tall. He is, like, towering above everyone else. And some of that is, like, the boots he's wearing. Some of that is just, like, Robert Pattinson being a taller actor. Like, I really, really love that scene, that slow walking scene when he's coming in and actually investigating. Like, I thought it was really cool. And let's talk about his suit because this is another thing that I think Matt Reeves just did a home run with in the costume department is the – 
his his suit and the elements of his suit, right? The the fact that, you know, and, and Nolan did this too, right? Nolan spent a lot of time on this actually very well. And, you know, Burton to an extent, Zack Snyder, of course, just didn't give it even even a moment's thought. Um, <laughs> but, like, he put a lot of thought into the elements of his suit that would allow him to be able to, like, take a shotgun blast to the fucking chest and, like, you know, be okay. And, like, the boots. You mentioned his boots. There's quite a few scenes, actually, that focus on his feet. And he's got these, like, they're, like, commando boots. They're, like, oh, yeah. you know, they're not, like, superhero. They're not, like, Spider-Man superhero boots. These are, like, military-grade, like, face-stomping fucking boots. Yeah, there's some fucking shit kickers for sure. Yeah, so it makes you believe that the suit that he is wearing is, like, this is something that could actually protect him and help him be an ultimate badass. Yeah, and and... Man, just the the walking, Batman's walking, and the way especially that they they set it up in the beginning of the movie where his use of fear is such a powerful weapon that he uses because it's not just about what he does, but it's about that fear that he could be there, Yeah, right? And they do that so well, and they really set that up so well in the beginning— and when he's got that slow, methodical walk, it's 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 like it it really it gives you goosebumps. Like it really, it's almost like it reminded me of almost like Mike Myers in Halloween, where it's just this slow, methodical, like you can't do anything about it. Here he comes, and it, like they use it repeatedly in the movie, and it's just great. And I loved the the vibes that whether whether inspired by or not, but there were some really big. The fight scenes had really big Daredevil vibes. Yeah, them. and of course I'm referencing the Netflix Daredevil. Yeah, the show. the Marvel Netflix. Yeah. So like just some of the way that he his style of fighting, some of the the brutal elements of his fighting, like you know that one scene we all saw earlier on the trailer where he's just wailing on the guy's fucking face, right? You know, like a lot of his fight scenes were were really brutal and awesome. And again, just going back to like some of that inexperience, I think that, like, the way the fight choreography was just brilliant because it illustrated how competent and how skilled of a fighter he was, but how he's not invincible, right? Like, he takes a lot of fucking hits in this movie, but he just beats the shit out of everybody at the end of the day. Yeah, and the uh, and again, the, the use of not only the choreography, but the use of sound when the, the fights are happening, every single time he hits someone, you feel it. Like, like, man, when he is wailing on these people, like, you're feeling every blow. And just a great, again, like, after COVID and everything that we've been through, like, being in the theater and seeing this in the movie theater, it really reminds you of how fun it is to see movies in a theater. Yeah. And, like, this is a movie that 100% you need to see in the movies. See it before it comes on HBO. Like it, it's just so good and it's so intense and like every blow you're just feeling re- repeatedly as he's like pounding people. And, and speaking about the suit again, I, I love how like when the when the stills of his suit first dropped like two years ago at this point, basically, um, and everybody on the Internet was just 
all speculating, all up in arms about the not up in arms, but like speculating about the bat symbol on his chest. Right? You know, is it is it you know made from the parts of the gun? And everybody had all these other theories, and it's literally like a one shot scene where you realize it's an actual fucking batarang that he can pull out of his suit, you know, and use it, and it comes back to him, and just puts it back in. Like that was such a cool little like just quick throwaway thing, but it was so awesome. And it's got like a sharp blade on yeah. the end of it where like he cuts the cable later right. on, like. Really, really cool, like, very different dynamic for the bat symbol in his chest, right? Yes. Like, where it, it makes it actually useful. And so let's talk about one of my favorite parts from a character perspective of this movie. And I forget who I was – I think it was Lou that we were talking with about it um, – where he was complaining that there wasn't any real Bruce Wayne moments in this movie. But right. while that's true, there was like maybe one, you know, or two at most Bruce Wayne moments. I actually like that because this is also, again, talking about how unique this movie is. This is the first Batman movie we've had that really just doesn't give a shit about Bruce Wayne. But it's fine because if you think about the way the character, the kind of character that Batman is and, and how we've seen him, regardless of what iteration it is, I personally think it makes a lot of sense to have Bruce Wayne fully immerse himself in the identity of Batman for his first couple years as Batman and sort of forgetting about the fact that he even is Bruce Wayne, right? It goes back to that, the you know, the episode of Batman Beyond that we always talk about with In Your Head. It's like, how did you know you weren't crazy? Because yeah. in my head, I don't call myself I don't call Bruce, myself Bruce right? Wayne, yeah. You know, it's like, so, so that element of the story, the fact that you really didn't get any Bruce Wayne, I really liked because it was more character development and it makes so much sense to me that this is his first couple years doing this, and he's so fully committed to it that he's like literally forgetting about his civilian life. It also makes more sense that people wouldn't recognize who he is in the Batman costume because he's not the Playboy celebrity that Bruce Wayne always is. He is he's a recluse. Yep. Nobody knows. Like he never comes out of the shadows. He's just this billionaire like kid who has all this money but nobody he doesn't do anything with it like he's not he's not at you know clubs he's not you right. know driving fast cars and you know all over town like nobody knows what he looks like the only person that knew was Carmine Falcone like anybody else was like oh Oh yeah! Oh, that is Bruce. Oh, that's yep. Bruce Wayne. You know, and, then that, and that whole element comes full circle at the end when he's like, "Oh, I guess I've got a little bit of growing to do." You know, both as Batman and Bruce Wayne. So it's like the whole movie, despite all of the incredible plot that happens, this movie does a really good job of like also developing the character of both Bruce and Batman because you know, the again, not to pick on the Nolan trilogy, but like, there's not a whole lot of growth really that happens yeah. you know i mean it's there after for, the first movie yeah exactly after like, the first, after movie. The first right. movie yeah it doesn't really the first movie does it really well and it does it yeah it, which is why i i sometimes make the argument I, I frequently make the argument that batman begins is a better movie than the dark knight like i i think that um but the yeah there, there's just so much character development as Batman, not so much as Bruce Wayne, but as Batman in this movie. And it's, again, just something we haven't seen really in a lot of the previous Batman movies because when you really kind of break it down, a lot of the past Batman appearances have been um, different but the same at the same time. A lot of, like, elements that are sort of recycled but just done in a different way, right? This is yeah. the first Batman movie or yeah, iteration so. of the Batman in a very long time that it's felt truly unique. 
Yeah. And man, just, and it, it, again, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because you've got this kid who's so obsessed with his parents' death and the fact that his parents died and like he can't let it go and everything that it's put him through like mentally and it's just that kind of like mental torture. Like you're seeing that he is just as crazy but on the opposite end of the spectrum as the Riddler is, right? And and man, just phenomenal i love the fact that he was super emo i love the fact that he when he you actually see him as bruce wayne and he's talking to alfred he has to put on sunglasses yep. because almost like a vampire like like a bat like he oh, has, i see what you did there yeah Brumptus. <laughs> <laughs> like he has to put on the sunglasses because like he he's not he doesn't want to meet with the accountants they're coming to his house right which I like that they talked about that scene, but then didn't show it because it really wasn't important to the story. So the fact that that he was more of that recluse and that loner was just really, really cool. The other thing that I really liked is that they didn't explain a lot of his technology, right? Like, like the way that bullets bounce off of him, very different from a lot of the other movies where it's more like body armor. This almost seemed like he had a protective shield Dude, around it, it's him. It's like he had a vibranium. Like the bullets yeah. were like bouncing off him. Yeah. A little bit. It was really cool. Like, like Superman. Yeah. Like, you know? And like, but then you see it and it, it sort of makes sense because then you obviously know that there's some kind of electric element because then he uses like a taser on one of the the you know just the hoodlums that he beats up you know and it's it's really really cool just a very unique way of of making it so that he has a suit that's mobile so he can move he can turn his head he can move around in it it makes sense if he can move around but at the same time if he gets shot, the bullets will not affect him. Right. And, dude, and how about you mentioned uh, Falcone, Falcone before. Fucking John Turturro just coming out of left field. Like I had I, I had absolutely zero clue that he was even in this movie. I hadn't gone too deep in, like, the, yeah, the casting on, on the IMDb page. Yeah. And when he shows up, I was like, stop it. I was like, John Turturro. Dude, it was such perfect casting. Dude, he John was Turturro, a star. Dude, like, he plays... So good. He plays these sleazy scumbag characters so well, and I absolutely loved it. His methodical, soft-spoken way that he talks is very much like Batman's footsteps. Like it's yep. just the, his the way that he speaks, it carries such power with it. Yep. Right, and you really listen to everything that he says, and you know. That, like they say numerous times, oh, I realize that you're a very powerful man. I realize you're a very important man. Like, you realize that he really, really is. Yeah, it, re- it reminded me, the way he played that role reminded me a lot of Kanish from Rounders. You know, <laughs> yes. Like, like, yes, yes. Obviously much more there. psychotic, but, like, it was very similar in, like, the way his, the tone of his voice and the inflection or whatever, it very much reminded me of that character. And, and I loved it. Like, perfect casting. Like, he did such a good job. The fact that he was way more important, that, that, that we didn't even know or realize that he was even in this movie or how big of a role, and he was literally one of the most important characters Very in, important. in this movie. And then when they, like, again, there were so many layers to this story, and, like, the world building was so subtle but also in your face. Like, the fact that Falcone 
became such an important character and like you know like and then and then in relation to the penguin as well like when falcone dies like when he gets murdered you're like wait and then that has implications like immediate implications for this world but that's not the main story there's still the stuff with the riddler like the layers that this story had were just very impressive and very well done yeah just the story itself like i i made the analogy to the movie seven numerous times yeah because it very much it was very scary it was very intimidating and it was a really really good detective story where you're seeing batman being the detective that we know that he is right and it's it's just very dark and as you pointed out right after we we left very very much long halloween vibes like it, like this whole movie was filled with long halloween like like kind of elements and things like that dude yes so i'm glad you said long halloween because there were big long halloween vibes in this movie and I really loved it because it was all about the, um, you know, the murders. So Riddler is is committing a series of murders, um, all related to people that were in on this, you know, big, you know, whatever. Well, I forget what the, uh, not about the, or- was it about the orphanage? What was his, the, oh, it was the big, uh, now I remember now. It was the big, uh, like, crime boss takedown that Gordon was a part of and there was the snitch. Okay, now I remember. But anyway, he's he's killing all of these people that are a part of this, what is essentially like a cover-up for what was one of the biggest crime busts in GCPD history. Right, Maroney. They right, take Maroney, down Salvatore exactly. Maroney and it's it's one of the biggest drug busts yep. in GCPD it, history and, and then turned you Turned out realize, to be a farce. Yeah, yeah, it turned out the whole thing was fake. So it's big, long Halloween vibes because it's like, and you know, in, in this situation, like you know it's the Riddler doing it whereas the Long Halloween it's more of a mystery story but you don't know who the Riddler is and you don't really know like why he's doing it and so that's the other thing I want to talk about with the story is that again another thing that makes this movie unique this is the first time in I think any live action Batman that we've really gotten to see him like truly be a detective yeah. like in a lot of different things you know there was a, there was a little bit you know one of the things that Batman Forever did well was that detective element which was also coincidentally with the Riddler as you know his villain but most of the other movies not a whole lot of detective work you know happening like there's you see it in the Nolan movies but it's less detective work and it's more like scientific work you know yeah, like it's more like the ballistic stuff way you know? over top yeah. like the fact that he takes a shattered bullet and takes fingerprints off of the right. shattered bullet it's so over the top like yeah it's more technology based than him just using his own his own smarts which is what a lot of the right. Batman was and it was it again just really well done it was really nice to see Batman actually be the greatest detective yeah and man the Riddler putting the Riddler as the character that was just this psychopath and like like again the the use of sounds and noises the noises that Riddler makes when he's killing people it's very guttural it's very like it really sends shivers up your spine and it really makes you afraid of this character and he's starting to take out all of these high ranking you know i mean he he starts out by killing the mayoral candidate right like like Oh my god, like like right away and it's just wild. Just and he does it in such a brutal fashion. It's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, there were definitely moments in the Batman where I was like where I was thinking to myself, man, like, you know, if I was 
younger watching this, I would be legit fucking terrified of the Riddler. Like, the way that they did him with that, like, weird kind of BDSM mask and his voice, yeah, the, you the know. Winter, so when the winter, I guess it's a winter military mask or yeah. something like that. And yeah. it was like, you know, they, again, not again, I feel like I'm shitting a lot on the Nolan trilogy here, but like, you know, Bane's stupid voice, this was just like, a better, much better version of that. Like, yeah. it was just so fucking well done. Like, <laughs> and Paul Dano as, like, the bad guy. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie uh, Night Stalker, right? Where where Paul Dano plays, like, kind of the killer in that as well. But it just phenomenal. Like, he is such a good, like, thought-provoking villain. Wait, what was the movie called? Night Stalk. I think it was called Night Stalkers, right? With uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Was that the one where? Paul no, Dano? you're no. So you're. Th- I know what movie you're thinking of. It's got Hugh Jackman. Yeah. And um, I don't. Jake Gyllenhaal might be the other part, but I, for some reason, I want to say it was uh, Mark Ruffalo. But it's the one where, yeah, he plays like a um, like a killer who I think he abducts Hugh Jackman's kid. Yeah. And correct. it's like a whole fucked up little thing. But then I forget how the movie. Oh, ends. Prisoners. That's yeah. the one I'm thinking of. Prisoners. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. He, but Hugh Jackman like takes the you know the law into his own hands. Yeah. Or sorry. Yeah. But, prisoners. But, but yes, I know what movie you're talking about. And yes, Paul Dano is creepy as fuck in that movie. Yeah. Like he, he's just. I mean, I don't know. Maybe a bit of typecasting, but goddamn, he scared the shit out of me in that movie. And yeah. Oh yeah. He was freaky as fuck in the Batman, and so well done. Again. Another kind of unique take on the Riddler. You know, like the Riddler's usually a more, you know, comical villain. Like a villain you don't often take uh, very seriously, especially when you think about Jim Carrey's adaptation. And that's fine because like, you know, very much like the Joker and a lot of Batman's rogues gallery, these are characters that have been around for decades. And they've been written in so many different ways in the comic book. So there's no real one true way to interpret the character. So the fact that Matt Reeves was willing to um, sort of buck the trend a little bit and go with a radically different interpretation of the character is a huge gamble, and it's one that paid off. Yeah, it really was. That's a great way to describe it. It was a very big gamble, but high risk, high reward, because it really paid off, and you had the right actor in there to do it. And um, the story itself, I mean, really, the casting in this movie was phenomenal. Yeah, spot on. Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, as Selena Kyle, was great. Um, she was phenomenal. I absolutely loved her portrayal and like, like her sort of like her, the way that her background was and like just her, the whole feel of her entire character. And then, um, obviously we mentioned John Turturro, but the other unsung hero, Jeffrey Wright, Jeffrey Wright as Lieutenant Gordon was fucking awesome. And some hilarious scenes like that scene when they're in the police station and he's whispering to Batman. He's like, we got to get you out of here. <laughs> Punch me in the face. <laughs> like, it's just so good. Like, I really love Jeffrey Wright as as commissioner, as uh, Lieutenant Gordon. It was great. Yeah, it, he, he was phenomenal. I think he was a very good choice to play the role. I was very happy with how they did his role. But, I mean, okay. We want to talk about unsung heroes. Colin Farrell. Dude, Colin Dude. Farrell. He stole Penguin. the show, man. Like, he really, really was a scene stealer in this movie. I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what to expect going into I mean, Colin Farrell is a fantastic actor, so I knew whatever he was going to do, it was going to be good. But I had no idea what to expect. And it was, you know what was great about it? He was like he was like the comic relief in a way. Kind of was, movie, right? Like, 
but it was so good. He he nailed the part of this, like, again, this sleazy fucking, you know, because Penguin, especially in recent years, Penguin has been more of a more of a crime boss than, like, the more kind of, like, comical, fat, you know, we saw from Batman Returns type villain. Um, and he... Colin Farrell just absolutely hit out of the park with his sleazy interpretation of this, like, used car salesman almost kind of persona. Oh, right? take it easy, sweetheart. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it was so good. It was just <laughs> so well done. The dialogue was phenomenal. And when he's looking at Batman, he's like, oh, boy, you're everything that they say you are, yeah. huh? Like, and when, right. when Batman and Gordon leave him, like, tied up, and he's like, hey, I'm standing here. I'm standing here. <laughs> like, you know, going to leave me here? What are we doing? <laughs> like, yeah. It, and even the scene that you see in the trailer where he's like, I got you. I yeah. got you. And then you see the Batmobile flying Dude. through the fire. Like, a great scene. The, yeah. the car chase scene was phenomenal. Like, and, yeah. and and speaking of the Penguin, too, one of the things I'm so excited about is that, you know, so, so going into this, there had been, and just like, and just again, you know, this movie does not take place in the, you know, quote unquote prime DC, yeah, DC whatever, 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 whatever the fuck that fuck, is. Yeah, whatever yeah. the fuck that means. But, you know, going into it, Warner Brothers was still doing their typical thing where they were announcing a bunch of bullshit tied to this movie without any indication of how this movie was going to do. And one of the things they announced was a uh, a prequel series focused on the GCPD that takes place in this universe. Now, I we talked about this before in previous episodes. That's a stupid fucking idea because the show Gotham on Fox was already a perfect interpretation of a prequel series involving the GCPD. Yeah. So, like, as cool as it would be to see, it would be entirely repetitive. So since this movie has come out, they've axed They've axed that uh, prequel, folded the concept into this Arkham series, but more importantly, they have greenlit a spinoff series from this movie about the Penguin starring Colin Farrell. And I could not be more excited. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I think that if you have him and he can play that character, the problem is is that you need to keep the tone the same as um, as as the movie right. was. Right? you got to get gotta Reeves have, producing this. Yeah, like, in some really, way. or at least being the showrunner. Yeah, like, because something. he's got to be, he's got to have his hand in this because it's got to keep that darker element to it. And if it doesn't, I think it's going to lose a little bit because, you, like you said, the Penguin was almost like the comic relief in this in this movie. And if you just have it all about the comic relief, it's going to fall flat because right. I want to be afraid of the Penguin. I want to I want to know and see the fact that he is like a drug lord that he is a gangster like i want to see some real tony soprano style things that are going on where you see his personality but you also see how sadistic he is right. at times which is what they've opened it up to because you know going back to uh to maroney be not maroney um uh, Falcone being killed, John Turturro's character, they made a point of like talking about how that changes Penguin's dynamic in the criminal underworld, and he was one of the characters that they focus in on when they're doing their, their final scene, you know, panning across all the different characters. Like, they made a point of going a scene with the Penguin, so you know that he's going to be set up for something. But yeah, I totally agree. I'm very interested to see how his character changes now that he's basically in control and he's no longer reporting to Falcone. Now, do they ever call him 
Oswald Cobblepot. I don't think that they do. They just so. call him Oz. He's like, I'm Oz. Yeah. Which I thought was such a cool, yeah. like, a cool thing to do. Like, because he doesn't call himself the Penguin. He just, call, he was like, oh, I'm Oz. Right. I'm Oz, right? And everyone just calls him Oz, right? Which is so cool. And, I like, I really love that. But they, I don't ever remember them actually saying his full name. I'm almost positive they do not. I, yeah. I don't remember. If, if they either. did, then it's like a throwaway line. Instantly, kind of yeah. The and and dude, just like how much time do you think he had to spend in the makeup chair for that fucking dude? He was unrecognizable as Colin Farrell, absolutely unrecognizable. Which I have to say, when you take a great actor like Colin Farrell and you have him in a role like this, which is a very iconic role, you don't want to see Colin Farrell, you want to see the character, and it could not have been more well done yeah. in this movie. Because Colin Farrell is like this, you know, generally kind of handsome Very guy, handsome. right? You yeah. know, like, and, and he's like well built and then you, you put him in this like fat suit. But again, like it doesn't even look like a fat suit. It looks like, it which I, know, I know that he didn't, but like it looks like he put on like 75 pounds like of weight for the movie and it's just, all oh, the makeup is just so good and so flawless. Yeah, it, it was... Like, I just loved every minute. Every time the penguin is on screen, I just, I, I loved it. Even the, the, like, even the smaller parts, like the scene at the funeral when he's walking behind Falcone and, uh, and, and he stops Bruce Wayne and you, you almost, you see him kind of like off screen. You hear his voice, but you don't even see him. It's such a great scene because you know that he's there and you know that he's like right now. At that time, I don't want to call him a lackey, but he is a little bit more of a lackey to Falcone because literally everybody is a lackey to Falcone. Right. You know? And so, yeah, it was really, really well done. And then the uh, we got to talk about the Batmobile, too, because this this might be – it's tough to say that I like it more than the Tim Burton Batmobile because the Tim Burton Batmobile fit so perfectly for that movie – but I guess if I'm comparing apples to apples in terms of what f- the tone that fit best for this movie, this Batmobile absolutely fucking killed it. Yeah. Like, I absolutely loved it. It was very obvious. Like, if you've ever seen a demolition derby, right, where it's like, you know, a, a, a adult bumper cars, right? <laughs> All of those cars, they have a very solid frame to them. And it was very obvious. Like, that was the way that this car was built. Right. And so like being able to crash through things like it didn't seem fantastic. It didn't seem over the top. It wasn't like the Batmobile was impervious or like immortal. Like it it, it was (laughs) right. Or a tank like it was in the Nolan and, and Burton movies. It was very much like a real car that has a jet engine on the back. Right. And a lot of other modifications. But really, I really, really liked the way that it was done. And I hope that if they do a sequel movie, which is it looks like they're going to do, um, that they keep the Batmobile the same. Yes. Do not alter it at all. Like, don't make it a completely different Batmobile. Like, keep it the same car. Right. If you want to add, like... You know, some gun turrets or something. Fine, sure. But don't maybe elements that we, yeah. we didn't see. Yeah. And another thing that I loved about it too is I love you got to see those couple scenes of him like working on the car. 
Like that I thought was cool because that's again something we that's been lacking in almost every Batman movie is him working on the shit that he uses, right? Like in the Nolan in the yeah. Nolan movies it was all just stuff that he got from Wayne R and D, right? Right. In the in the Burton movies, like you see it, you know, sometimes he's tinkering on a couple things with like a suit or whatever. Right. Um obviously you don't see any of it in the Snyder interpretation. Well, you see you that. see Alfred working on it. Right. Alfred is too. Right. Yeah, so correct. Alfred is the mechanic right. in the in the Zack Snyder universe. Right. right? Which is very true to the comics. Like right. that was very cool. Like you see Alfred working on the car, but the car in in the Snyderverse, I I would have to say is probably my least favorite. Um, I really liked it uh, when I first saw it, but then like now seeing some of the other ones, uh, like if I had to rank them, uh, unfortunately I would rank it at the bottom because I agree with you. Like I don't like like the subsequent uh, ones that happened when Schumacher took over, like those Batmobiles. Oh, those were just ridiculously outrageous. Yeah, those like, those were like, but the original, the one in Batman and Robin didn't even have a fucking like top on it. It was like a convertible. <laughs> like what right, are you doing? Like the nineteen sixties one, yeah, but right? even worse somehow. Yeah. Like it was like a single. Theater. I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't good. Yeah. But like it was cool to see that, yeah, he does his own work on the car. And it it it, it gave a, a little bit more of like kind of like a, a really realistic, you know, kind Absolutely. of element. Like as fantastic and over the top as this movie was, which is kind of something that we should talk about in a second, but like as fantastic and over the top as it, it really gave it a very humanistic, a very realistic element to it. Exactly, which is one of the things that I think is the best part about this movie is the fact that this this is a Batman you believe that can actually exist. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about something else, and let's talk about the blend, right? So in my opinion, Matt Reeves did just an absolutely phenomenal job blending elements in terms of blending technology blending um that that superhero over the top element as well as the realistic element to it where they didn't explain where the technology came from but it did have its grounding in very realistic elements like when he when he's on top of the building and he he turns his bat suit into a squirrel suit and yes. and he jumps off the yes. building right like very very cool it was right. very cool very well done um and it it had a little and it was that blend where a little bit was over the top a little bit was realistic and it almost felt like um like the the way that i kind of described it was almost like superhero punk right where you have cyberpunk you've got steampunk right in in a lot of these type of genres this was almost a new genre of superhero movie where it was like superhero punk because it blended technology it blended like old elements and new elements as well as the over the top elements with very realistic elements. And that's and like again talking about realistic like just you mentioned the suit I had totally forgotten about it. Remember how he just like eats shit trying to land? Like yeah, it was yeah. like so great. Like, and he, he rolls. Yeah, and, and he like, yeah. he kind of like limps away a little bit, you know? Like do it again. Like just again, it, it, it plays on all the elements we talked about. The inexperience of him as Batman, the realism element, like it just it nails all of that perfectly 
but it, it also reminds me you're, you're, where you're talking about the, the blending of technology. It reminds me a lot of like Archer because one of the things I found myself like constantly thinking about in this movie, it's like, okay, what time period does this take place in, right? Because again, to your point about the blending of technology and certain things, it's very ambiguous as to like when this movie could even take place. Like it could be like the 80s. It could be like, 2020 like it's very hard to tell because some of the technology he uses is very advanced but then but then he's also like building his batmobile on what looks to be like the chassis of like a 1975 dodge challenger you know yeah (laughs) yeah and he's got like you know he's got the lift and everything like that's in there so like he knows that it's it almost seems like every time he takes the car out he has to work on it. Right. Right? It, 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 you know, kind of like like a Formula One car. Right. Right? Like, there's extensive work every single time that a race happens. It's not like they just take the car and, and run it again. No, there's extensive work that happens and, and, like, extensive repairs that happen on the car every single race. Right, because he's running, he's running it through flames and explosions. What do you, what do you want, Harley? <laughs> Harley is attacking me as I'm trying to fucking podcast. You little just rascal, you looking for pets. I know, just right? Demanding pets, just sitting right on top. Now. You're lucky you're small. <laughs> anyway, um, but no, yeah. So it, 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 you know, you're absolutely right. Like the the fact that he has to like constantly work on stuff, it just it just makes him feel vulnerable, right? Which yeah. is, I, I think is a very cool thing. Again, that you know, you don't really see. A lot of uh, when you when you get live action Batman interpretations, he's usually he's usually pretty fucking unbeatable in in every sense of the word. You know, the only time you really yeah. see it is like when he gets when he gets the shit beat out of him by Bane in, in Dark Knight Rises. Right, right, and that's already after like you know that he's old and weak, and, right? You know, like he's not the same Batman that we saw in the previous two movies. Exactly, which I, I thought was cool, but you know definitely left something you know to be desired yeah dark knight rises was like should have been better than it was it was still very good but there were definitely a lot of elements that were lacking i just hated bane's voice i did i and like apparently that was something that was very big for robert pattinson in this movie where they had a voice for batman and he hated it yeah so they took it away and the fact that again it made sense because nobody knows what Bruce Wayne sounds like. Nobody sees Bruce Wayne. Nobody has his voice. So the fact that he speaks under his breath and the fact that he has a softer tone, it makes sense that, like... I thought his voice was perfect. Yeah, I thought, I thought it, was it was great. Perfect. Yeah. I thought it was really great. And it was just, man, like, like, even when he sets up, like, the technology where he's got the cool contact lenses... But the technology that he sets up in Selena Kyle's apartment is very Tim Burton, where it's got the pipes, yep. and like it's it's almost like this like kind of like screen that's put together that it, it just looks very old, yep. right? It looks almost dusty, like like it's not modern. But at the same time, then they have an iPhone later on, you right. know. This again, the blend where you don't know what time frame this takes place in. It's completely out of reality, but also in reality. Yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think that the uh, just touching back on the voice for a minute, it's it, I it might have been my favorite Batman voice. Like it's just yeah. it it was so Agreed. well done. You know, I mean, I mean, nothing will ever compare to. 
I'm Batman, you know, but this is like the next best thing because he maintained it throughout and he stuck with, you know, the whole not speaking a lot, right? Like, and and when he, you know, that was one of the things that always irritated me about the, the fucking Nolan movies is that, you know, obviously when he's, when, you know, when he's interrogating people and breaking their bones, like you want him to have that growly, scary voice, but like that, that scene where he's like, it's not what I am. Who defines me, like who I am yeah, underneath it's what, it's what I do. I'm like, why are you still talking? And like, just tone it down, please. Yeah. Like, fucking tone it down. Like, yeah. and it, his like lips. It's like Donald Trump. I was like, dude, it was one. Of, it was one of the worst parts of the entire trilogy. Yeah. But Robert Pattinson just found a way to just get the voice perfectly, but also perfectly for every scenario, whether he was breaking bones or just having a quiet conversation. Yeah. I I will say I did like it in Zack Snyder's. Like, Zack Snyder, I I liked the way that he did the... The voice alteration. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it I was thought good. I thought it was subtle enough, and it was and it made sense enough. Um, but at the same time, like this was better. Like this yeah. was just it was just better because it made sense with the character and like right. who Bruce Wayne was. Right now, where they're gonna take it from here, I don't know, and I know. that's gonna be very interesting because we because we saw the you know after the post the mid credit scene whatever with uh, Riddler in Arkham. And his cellmate, or not cellmate, the cell next to him, right. um, very clearly appears to be Joker. Riddle me this. Right. And like having the Joker say that instead of Riddler, again, very true to the character. Right. But that being said, I've seen enough fucking Joker on the screen. And Matt Reeves has come out and he's made he's made a point to say, like, no, I the Joker will not be a villain in my movies. Like we're we've done the Joker. It's been beaten to fucking death. We don't need to do the Joker again. They and don't. I could not agree more. I would yeah. love to see another villain. So here's where I think it uh, could possibly go. Um, I mean, obviously, whatever happens in you know the Penguin series will have uh, you know implications for the second movie. But uh, you know, talking the Rotten Tomatoes Fantasy League, Kevin uh, brought up an interesting point, which I hadn't even thought of at the time because I was so immersed in the fucking movie. In the final scene, where he or the final you know the big final fight scene um, where he takes out that uh, needle right and stabs it into himself. Yeah, you just adrenaline. Ass- you just assume it's adrenaline, but Kevin brought up a good point. If you look inside the the needle, it's a little green. So Kevin said, which I totally agree with, could that be Venom? Like oh, Bane's Venom. Oh, like Bane's Venom? Right. Oh, interesting. Like Or like an early version yeah, of it, you know? Yeah, like, like an iteration of right. it. Right. Like I hadn't thought about that because, again, I was so engrossed in what was happening, it didn't even occur to me that the fucking vial looked a little green. And he does, he goes crazy. And he, he goes he, fucking he, nuts. Yeah, yeah. he starts like just beating the shit out of that guy, right? right? Where it was great. Yeah, so. That's an interesting take. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. So there, there are, and, and I haven't gone back and seen it a second time yet, but I'm sure like when I get a chance to like really sit down again, I'm sure that there's there are like dozens of Easter eggs littered around the movie that oh, we yeah. you know, like didn't catch the first time around because I was so fucking into the, the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- I think the thing that's great about this movie is that um, because they did a villain like the Riddler, who is so um, focused on what he was doing, um, and he was so new. Like it wasn't like the Riddler had been around for a while. It was a new, you know, kind of villain or whatever. And all the other stuff that happened with Penguin and Falcone. They could go literally anywhere. They're like, they could do yeah. literally anything with this series of movies. So there's a lot of elements that 
I, I think that they, 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 they really, there's subtle things that they do to sort of hint at where they're going. And there's a lot of people that are talking about Court of Owls. Uh, the the wristlet that he because he doesn't yeah. really use that wristlet but it, yep. it was it was very representative of Talon in the comic books from Court of Owls yep so I could very easily see them doing a Court of Owls never done line. that before either right exactly and it would be awesome and then there was there was very very big hush vibes huge like like the fact that the reporter was named uh, Elliot right like. Like the the whole like where it even has hush on the screen like there's very big hush vibes in like that they could take it so even if the next movie is not hush maybe like the third movie if they're going to do a trilogy or or whatever like if they do a third movie like I could very easily see them doing a a hush storyline. Yeah. Because again, it fits into the detective story. It fits into the who done it. It it would tie it back to like who he was as a kid. Like it it, it ties back to Thomas Wayne and it would be really, and, really cool. And another thing that I think we have a high probability of seeing in this series, because I'm gonna I'm just gonna presume it's gonna go three movies. Um I think we have a high probability of seeing a, a Robin on screen again because the orphanage was such an important element of this story. You know, how, how Riddler was a member of the orphanage. And I loved, I absolutely loved, loved, loved how they changed uh, Martha's uh, birthright from being a cane to a member of the family that founded the Arkham Asylum. I thought that yes. was really cool. Yeah. Um, you yeah. Know, and, and having it being the Waynes and the right. Arkhams were right. like – were like the Rockefellers and Rothschilds, right? right? And like, this orphanage that Riddler was a part of is in the center. The fact that it was yeah. such an important element of the story says to me that they could very easily slide in a Robin character, um, you know, from that. And, and sticking with, you know, more or less his classic comic book origin story from the circus and whatnot, but just bring that orphanage into it because now Bruce Wayne has gotten more involved in it, but, you know, with the death of his father and whatever, like the whole thing with the Riddler, I think it would make a lot of sense from a story perspective. Um, and I, I just want to see fucking Robin on live action again. Well, there was <laughs> like, also, done well. <laughs> there was also, like, some sort of Damien Wayne vibes. Totally. With the mayor's son. So the mayor gets killed right in the beginning, yep. right, by the Riddler. And his son, the first time you see him, he's dressed up as a ninja and he's using a sword. Yep. And he, like, he fake attacks his dad, right? Like a very, you know, kind of father-son moment. Like really kind of very cute to see. Um, and then you see Bruce Wayne paying a lot of attention to that kid. So I could very easily see that kid being almost like, Either either a, a Damian Wayne or a Jason Todd. Definitely. Like, I don't think we're going to get, like, a Dick Grayson. Like, I don't think that that is where, like, the Robin element is going to fit in. But, like, if you got a Jason Todd-type character, right, where he brings him in, he's really rambunctious, he's over the top, he gets to be too violent, too big for his britches, and then gets murdered— Right. Even if they change the way that the murder storyline, like if they made him murdered by the Court of Owls or they made him murdered by, you know, Hush instead still of works. the Joker, yeah. it absolutely still works. Yeah. And it absolutely still has the same impact on the Bruce Wayne character because 
the the fact that he was an orphan like it meant so much to him and and killing people is such like a big thing for him that if he is the reason that somebody dies like it would very much change and affect his character yeah absolutely so so listen this is movie if you haven't seen it yet what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Just <laughs> got to go see it. Yeah. And see it in the theater. Yeah. See it in the theaters before it's out of theaters. Um, Drink uh, drink your, your fountain soda uh, slowly so you don't need to piss in the middle of it because it oh, is yeah. three hours long. <laughs> and if you stay for the after credit scene, it's over three hours. And you yeah. really like it's one of those movies where you don't want to leave your seat because you don't want to miss anything. Yeah. I think everything is important. I think about an hour and a half into the movie of seeing it the first time. I like felt the need where I had to go to the bathroom and I had to hold it Same. for the rest of the movie. And I Dude. was like dying at the end. Dude, I felt like my kidneys were going to explode. <laughs> like I needed to pee so bad. Yeah, it was it was it was rough. Yeah. It was rough. But um Um all right, well before we, we we sign off, what are the things that you didn't like about the movie? Oh, uh <sighs> shit. Um honestly, not much. I I didn't like the uh Small again, mostly small potato stuff. But like, I, I thought that with all the thought that went into some of the costumes and stuff, I thought that uh, Catwoman, Catwoman, Catwoman wearing a what basically looked like uh, you know a, a fucking claw or a cotton ski mask, like cut with some holes in it with these little dopey. Like I thought that was kind of stupid looking. Yeah, like you know. But again, nowhere near anything enough to like detract from the overall quality of the movies. It was just kind of like a why? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like, why is she? Ha- okay, yeah, doesn't make a whole lot of like, sense. I get it. Right? She likes cats. Like, yeah. she's just a crazy cat lady. Like, yeah, cool. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, I didn't like the fact that wasn't I again? Didn't I disliked it? But I would have preferred if there was um a little bit less natural disastery type stuff at the end because like I absolutely loved how like the Riddler's you know plot was to set up these vans like very very easily you know believable plot, breaks the right? levees breaks you know? the levees breaks right the yeah. levees. but cool. but they the way that they the way that the seriousness of that event and like the way they made it sound um it didn't necessarily come to fruition like everything seemed to be like flooding and then Everything just seemed to be kind of okay, so it was like, yeah. a, like a weird kind of resolution to that. Um, but again, not enough to to like truly make me detract anything from the movie. That whole thing was a little weird. Yeah, one of the things I agree with you wholeheartedly on the Catwoman mask. I didn't really love it. Um, I loved Zoe Kravitz. I loved the character. I loved the portrayal. Uh, spoiler alerts, obviously. Uh, I, I love the fact that she was uh, Carmine Falcone's daughter. Again, long Halloween, like very big long Halloween vibes. Um, oh, how about how about the fact that in that final scene in like the, the whatever like the the belfry was in the cemetery, she had like ridden her motorcycle like up to the top. Like, did you notice that? Yes. Like, I, was, yeah. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's like weird. Um, uh, the one thing that I will say about the third act, especially in the Madison Square Gotham or whatever Gotham <laughs> Square Garden or Gotham whatever, Square Garden, wherever they called it, um, like I, I, I really felt that it it became a little bit too much like a video game. 
Like you see like the, the, the electrical box, right? Like it was really very, very like Arkham Asylum, like Arkham Knight. Like yeah. it was, it had very big video game vibes. And, and I really, for me, it took a little bit away, right? Yeah. When like, even when like it was cool. And like the, the one scene that really like felt like a video game is when he's hanging and he's slowly <laughs> yes. going across, right? Like yes. that's straight out of a fucking video game right? <laughs> where they're shooting at him. And he's like slowly like crawling across while he's hanging down, like, <laughs> like very much a video game. So true. And like, so like, you know, like that took me out of it a little bit. Like the whole third act was a little bit long and drawn out. Um, but again, I just, I mean, nitpicking. And then the only other scene that I really did not like, um, other than the dialogue, was the scene with the Joker. Like, or yeah. or the the you know Arkham inmate, right? The other Arkham inmate. I I, I really didn't like it. I thought that the dialogue was awesome. And it was spot on. I didn't really like that the way, you know, even though you can't really see it the way they made the Joker look. I don't like the fact that it was the Joker. I, you know, uh, or it was implied that it was like, I don't know. I feel like that was something that kind of took away. But I do like like the dialogue around it was awesome. Like the riddle me this, the you know, like right. you know, the even the riddle itself, you know, the fewer you have, the more important they are. Oh yeah. friend, like, okay, now it's showing like, okay, we're gonna get a rogues gallery, like, cool. But that's just not it's not what I just wish they, I wish they, they, they would do it. And maybe they won't even say it, it was the Joker. Maybe they'll say it was a different character, right? Like, just even create a new character. Who cares? Exactly. Right? Like, it's just somebody different. It's something different. Yeah, because you, you were like, you were like, <sighs> yeah, it's, it's the like, Joker uh, again. And it was one of those things where you know that it was done for the sake of doing it and to get, like, the pop out of the car. Oh, it's the Joker. Yeah. But it's not. And, like, who cares? Like, and it didn't, I didn't want it because we had a Joker movie and it was great. And I don't want to have something that takes away from that Joker movie. Exactly. Because that yeah. movie, as we all know, is perfect. Go yeah. back and listen to Ready, Set, Review episode, whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> Probably like 30-something at this point. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but so, so yeah. Um, go see the movie. It's great. Uh, we absolutely loved it. We're going to watch it again a lot more. For sure. And I'm very excited for <laughs> the way to get that one out. And I'm very excited for the sequels that are going to be coming and specifically the Penguin Show. I cannot wait. Yeah, the Penguin Show, I think, is going to be really interesting and what characters they bring into the Penguin movie. So, like, one of the things that I thought was really cool, they talk about Salvatore Moroni, but they never show him on screen. Right. Because his right? story's already been told. But yeah. Who, yeah. He, I mean, you assume he's still alive. Yeah, you, right? assume, like, you assume he's in jail. Right, exactly. Right? You know, he's he's probably in, like, a regular jail. And, you know, are we going to see him in the Penguin show? Right? Like, and then what, you know, what does that look like? And, and you know, will Batman be in the Penguin show? Or is it just going to be the GCPD? If it is the GCPD, how can you have it without Jeffrey Wright right. as Lieutenant Gordon? Like, is he going to be in it? Right. So it really, the other cast of characters around Penguin, um, I'm really interested to see. And will they continue? Oh, drops. Before we sign off to 
drops. The fact that they created a drug and like oh, the yeah. drop heads and like everything like that, where that they're cool. doing the eye drops, like, oh man, was that awesome? It was so fucking interesting. It was so cool. It was so unique. It was so different. I just I loved everything about it. Yeah, yeah, very much so. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Nuke from RoboCop Two. Yes, remember the yes. Nuke that they had? Like yes. it was that unique drug, and it would inject it into their neck. Like very, very cool. Like one also in that episode of Cowboy Bebop with the guy. Um, I forget the character's name, but he had that shit that he dropped in his eyes yes. and it made him like a yes. fucking lunatic. Like, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, spot on. Yes, and, yeah, way to go. Um, but yeah, let us know what you thought. Give it, give us your comments. Let us know what you thought of the Batman. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Um, certainly, there are quite a few people out there who did not like this. Fuck movie. those people. You know, they didn't think it was as good of a Batman movie as it could have been. Oh, it's I not did. the Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. It's a very different. It's not only a different Batman movie. It's just a different superhero movie overall. Yeah, it really is. And so, I, like, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So yeah. Tell us if you liked it. Don't tell us. Tell us if you didn't like it. So I can absolutely crush all of your hopes and dreams, you little Nolan fanboy fucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and if there's any elements that you guys really did like or or stuck out to you as, as things you didn't like, let us know. You know, like let us know what you, you think. And uh, yeah, and, and we're just looking forward to seeing maybe more of this universe where we have this Batman. Yep. And so we'll be back in a couple weeks to talk more uh, DCEU disaster, which is back in full force, and uh, talk about Peacemaker as well. So uh, until then, listen, like, share, subscribe on all of the platforms, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, all that shit. And as always, stay tuned, true reviewers.